Sing with me. Sing for the year. Sing for the laughter. Sing for the tear. Sing with me. If it's just for today, maybe tomorrow, the good Lord will take you away. That is an outstanding, famous quote from Aerosmith's song, Dream On, from the 1973 album, self-titled, so Aerosmith. Um, awesome song. Joe told me about it today, a lyric that we should use it on today's show. So I said, why not? How you doing today, Joe? Not bad, Sean. How you doing, buddy? Uh, doing okay. I mean, I had a long couple days of work. Um, you know, basically worked the past, you know, since yesterday afternoon, I worked about 20 hours. Um, and then, you know, up till 7.30 tonight, about um, about 20 hours and, you know, the span of X amount of hours. And I got like two hours of sleep and it's been, a, it's been a grind these past couple of days at work. But, um, you know, what, what, what got you thinking about that song, the Aerosmith song, the lyric? I was talking to so many other day and talking about how they worry so much. And, and I've been called throughout my life. And I, it's, it's true. I've been called a worry wart that I, I'm, you know, I'm the one of these what if kind of guys. What if this? What if that? Oh my. And I, it's, it's just one of those things that, that, that worry can consume you. And how does it relate to this thing of Aerosmith? It's just one of those lyrics that at the end of the day, you know, he said, uh, never tomorrow or the good Lord could take you away. This is one, it's just a reminder of how quickly you know, we've, we've spoken about it before and we're not going to revisit, um, you know, um, people can be taken at an early age and even the people that are older, uh, they're older, but they're healthy. And all of a sudden you hear one day that they're gone. It's just such a fragile thing. This life, the days that we have here. And it just reminded me of how silly and illogical worrying really is. And even though we know this, we know that it's silly and it's illogical, we still do it. And, uh, it just, it just led me into that. And, and I'm not saying everybody play Aerosmith when they're worried or anything like that. But what I'm saying is that lyric just reminded me, you know, sing with me, sing for the year, sing for the laughter, sing for the tear, sing with me. It's just for today. Never tomorrow, the good Lord could take you away. And I think, it's, I think it's maybe tomorrow, not never tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. I just say maybe. Okay. Well, yeah, that's okay. I appreciate it. But you, you get the point. Yeah. No, I just that, want to clarify because it's, you know, they're phenomenal lyrics and, you know, we don't want exactly. to confuse them. But also, you know, sometimes with lyrics, you hear things differently. So, you know, it's one of those, I do it all the time with lyrics. I make up my own fucking words, you know, for those <laughs> words like that. But, uh, you know, it's okay. The gist of it is there, though. You get me. And, it's just one of those things that when we worry, what we need to do, and I've spoken to a lot of people about this one trick or not trick, it's a remedy that, that can help because everyone does it to different levels, right? But everyone suffers from, from worry. One of the things that you can do as a tool is you can develop a little, uh, a little mental, um, stopgap, if you will, a little mental and one that I was telling you about before is this little mental stop sign. Whenever I start and I catch myself starting to worry about something and then it starts getting worse and it's snowballing an imaginary stop sign held up a big red, a red regular traffic stop sign. And that stop sign, you put it up there mentally and Hey, stop it. Stop. Just take a, take a, you know, take a breather, slow down, relax, whatever that little mental trick is to catch yourself. But the trick is catching yourself in it and realizing. So it's, it's a certain awareness you have to have, but 
it's just something that um i really felt like i wanted to and, and no one's saying you know eat drink and be merry for tomorrow we die do whatever you want just live for today no no one's saying that that's not what we're saying we're saying is that old saying that you know yesterday is history tomorrow's a mystery live in the present live for today yeah I feel like I, that's uh that's an eleanor roosevelt very famous quote i love that quote yeah and there's uh there's a book and one of your guys dale carnegie wrote a book i as a youngster 18 19 20 my mother gave it to me because even then i was you know worried um but it was called how to stop worrying and start living and it was uh, by dale carnegie one of your guys right one of your favorite uh and in that book, he spoke about a concept called a day-tight chamber. He said, you got to live in day-tight chambers. And he said, what the hell are you talking about, a day-tight chamber? Well, no, no. Imagine you're looking at tomorrow, and you see a door coming down, like a garage door, and it shuts that down. And then you're looking back at yesterday, and you see a garage door coming down, and it shuts that down. Okay? Don't worry about what's beyond those doors. Just worry about the little box that you're in. And everything else will take care of itself. It was just a neat concept. And I don't know. How do you feel about How do you feel about Has worry ever gotten the best of you? Um, yeah, I tend to, to constantly think about everything and every scenario and the worst case scenario and the best case scenario. Because it's one of those things, if you can expect the worst, uh, you can expect the best. I hope for the best type of situation. But um no, I mean, my mind is just naturally always thinking and always analyzing and always, you know, that's why I was in law school for a little bit because my whole life, it's like, what can I do? What what am I good at? Um, what can I use my mind for? What skill set do I have to apply to a career that can earn a living, to raise a family and things like that? But my mind is constantly thinking, you know, I'm 36 now, so I'll be thinking about all sorts of stuff, you know, when friends, they have, you know, now it's a new baby. I'm like, man, they're ha- having another baby and like, I'm not even married. I mean, the idea of having a kid is so foreign to me right now because it's like I have to find love first. I got to find a girl. Um, so I think about deep things like that, like try, finding true love and wanting that companionship um, and wanting that intimacy because I see pe- you know couples holding hands. And I think back to you know, relationships in the past, but holding hands and cuddling and things like that. I don't have that in my life right now. Uh, I know I'm getting a little bit off track here with talking about romance and stuff, but the question, the answer to your question is, yeah, my mind is all, always thinking um, you know, the, you know, like I said, the, about the worst thing that could happen, the best thing that could happen, uh, what could happen? I do a lot of hypotheticals. I have one friend who kind of gets like mad at me sometimes because I keep bringing up hypotheticals and he's like, man, I hate, I hate hypotheticals. I don't want to live in hypotheticals. <laughs> and I'm constantly, um, asking questions about hypotheticals. I'm like, if so-and-so it's like, you know, if Tony Romo was the quarterback for the Patriots instead of Brady and Brady was for the Cowboys and Belichick was with the cow, you know, all that type of random sports things and i'm just always doing hypotheticals and uh my mind is always doing what ifs like you said yeah, what ifs i was just gonna say you took yeah, the what word if right. i did this what if i did that where would i be today and what if i you know these decisions and you know it's like the movie the butterfly effect with ashton kutcher a famous you know old school movie i believe from the early 2000s um you know every little decision is like a butterfly it's like the wings of a butterfly could every little action um can have a can change reality that can change yeah. everything around your life, just every little decision you make. Um, so that type of deep thinking and knowing that life is, you know, the type of thing where like little, every little decision can really, you know, alter 
life and alter the whole world as we know it. Every everybody matters, and every decision they make matters. It comes together in this whole algorithm of the universe. And you know, I'm going off track here, but you know, we'll talk about these on future podcasts, obviously. But to answer your question, Joe, um, yes, I do. I do tend to think a lot. It's not necessarily worrying. Um, you know, I want to have my mental health. I want to always have a clear mind and be focused and making the right decisions and be really on, on top of my game and be sharp. Um, so, you know, I do worry about things and different, you know, health conditions and, you know, I don't want to get COVID obviously. I don't want to get the flu. Oh, yeah. I don't want to get cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't want to have a heart attack, uh, you know, serious things like that too. So I mean, what, how about you? Oh, oh, of course. And like I said, I, I was, uh, it's at an early age. I mean, you know, mom said, Hey, why don't you read this book? And this, because I was always like that. And, and man, I think man in general, the humans in general, it's part of our nature. Um, uh, French, French philosopher and essayist, uh, Michelle is the way they pronounce it. I would say Mikel, but it's Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L. Uh, Montaigne wrote, and he wrote, um, my life has been full of terrible misfortunes, most of which have never happened. And this was written 500 years ago, right? So my life has been full of terrible misfortunes, most of which have never happened. So he worried, he worried a lot about what if this, what if this, oh my God, you know, catastrophe here, catastrophe there. And this is a cat was, you know, 500 years ago and a, and a, and a pretty smart fellow. I mean, intellect doesn't have anything to do with it. It's not, you know, you know, a lot of things are irrational, but it's just something that can take you over. And it's a serious, serious thing. And I, I can just, I, I wonder sometimes if they're going to find out years from now that there's some kind of a hereditary thing. I don't know, but I do. Let me tell you this little story about my father. My father, this is, and I said this before, and my father developed Alzheimer's disease, but he developed it later in life. So this is during a time that he was fully clear, you know, he was about maybe 65 at the time. He didn't develop Alzheimer's for another 10 to 12 years, okay? So he was fully coherent, but he had this worry thing a lot like I did. And I lived with Pop. I lived with my, my parents for for a while. That's which is it's just that's something that I, I have no problem with either. I, I I'm the youngest. I love being there, and they love having me there. Um, but this was one time I can remember. He was about sixty five, and it was one of these things where I had a job and I was uh, up, you know, working like the late shift or whatever. So I would also come home from work and then be up watching TV late. Right, two, three, three thirty in the morning, I would hit the rack, and he would normally go up, and there were a couple sections to the house, but where I was in the the section I was, he would open the door every night, and yeah, he just just hollering to me, "I'm going up, hey, I'm going up," just to let me know he was going up. It's something that he did with his family when he was growing up. Everybody let each other know, "I'm going up." Okay, well, this was around midnight. He went up. Okay, pop. Good night. See you tomorrow. And I'm watching TV. And it's two o'clock, maybe two thirty, and I'm getting ready to go out to the kitchen to get a glass of iced tea or something, I was beverage or whatever. And I go out, and he's sitting in the dark in the living room, just sitting there, you know, biting his thumbnail and looking like out the front window. And I'm thinking, what the hell is going on? He scared me almost because I was not expecting this to see him sitting there. I'm walking through a dark room. 
right? And I see him sitting there, and I know he went up a couple hours ago. And I said, hey. He goes, hey. I said, what are you doing? What's going on? He goes, I'm sitting here. I said, why? And he just said, with a look me right in the eye, and he said with a serious look in his eye, he says, I'm waiting for the fire to start. And he was dead serious. Somehow he was nervous or or very jittery uh, about, you know, he always had a thing about, you know, before he went to bed, he got me into this habit. Uh, before he went to bed every night, he went around to every room, checked every appliance, just looked that plugged in, that's unplugged. Okay, this looks good, which is actually a good thing. But he did that every night before he would go to bed. Um, but apparently this night, uh, he went to bed and he decided to get up because he did, did, didn't feel right about something or other. And he was sitting in the living room and he wasn't joking. He was just kind of jittery that tonight might be the night of all nights that some fire starts in the house. But this is my point. The night after a while, he went back up to bed or whatever. But this is my point that uh, worry can really get you. And I think it can, it can really can we like to joke i joke and that's a that's a funny story but it's a true story but how uncomfortable worry and anxiety can get you and um like i said before we can develop these little tricks for ourselves these little remedies to help ourselves through but also i wanted to bring something to the forefront uh, about anxiety and about worry and about things like this i think that we have to work on lifting the stigma of people going to therapy, right? Therapy, you know, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't give a stigma to somebody for bringing their car to the mechanic once a year to get checked over. You wouldn't give someone a stigma for, to go to the dentist uh, once every 18 months to get a checkup, even if things are running well, even if you don't have any dental pain, right? Why would you give someone a stigma if they went once every three months or once every six months to therapy just to talk and just to, to sort things out and people do it it's a healthy thing to do uh but unfortunately we still live it's getting a little better recently i notice but we still live in a society that will stigmatize people that go for therapy and that's just if everything's working out just to go for a checkup i think i for, think it's changing though i, I don't want to interrupt you but um okay changing um because Therapy to me was always like, oh, you're, 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 you know, you're weak. You're mentally weak. Why, why do you need to tell this stranger all your problems? And why are they going to help you by telling you some advice or whatever? And why, why do you want to lay in a couch um, and just, you know, have them psychoanalyze you? Um, the stigma. But, right. Yeah. So, but I've listened to the Howard Stern show, uh, you know, for at least 20 years. And he always talks about how beneficial therapy is and how it's helped him immensely. And I've heard it and listened to the show and how he's evolved. Obviously, he's aging, but um, therapy has helped him immensely. Like, I think he's generally like a happier and nicer person and more well thought out because therapy. And he, he never uh, misses a moment to promote therapy. Um, he talks about it with his guests, all these celebrities and such. Uh, they talk about how therapeutic therapy is, um, how great it is um and that's just a guy like that is one of my heroes speaking so openly and candidly about therapy um you know made me rethink therapy because it was like oh that's for weak people then i heard him talking about it i'm like no actually but then there's shows in hbo uh, where you can like view people's like therapy sessions it's called like in treatment i think oh, okay. i haven't seen the 
series, but it's like it's like a, a scripted show of just a therapist and a patient. And they have different patients, and every episode's about the patient. You're literally just watching a therapy session. Um, but uh, I've recently begun to think about going to therapy myself. As have I. I've be begun time. to think about it too. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm 36 and I have I'm at a crossroads in my life in different regards and. Uh, I want, th- I want just a professional to give me some advice and listen to me instead of me telling all my problems to my friends and annoying them. Um, I have new health insurance and I should be able to find a good therapist. Um, yes. and I'm glad you brought it up because, uh, I absolutely am going to, uh, be going to therapy and I think everybody could benefit from it. It doesn't have to be a broken person who goes to therapy. That's you know? the whole thing. I said that. That's why I use the analogy of even a car that's running right. You bring to the shop every six months or so just to get it looked over. So even if the, even if there are no problems, just go into someone on a somewhat of a regular basis, not every week, not, you know, whatever the case may be. If things are, are going right in your life, maybe once a month you pop in, maybe once every other month. Um, so even if things are going right, just to go in for a checkup and to make sure, uh, you know, it, just to make sure you're, you're okay and you're feeling better. And here's a good thing that a lot of people don't realize this either. A lot of the therapists, whether it be a psychologist or a psychiatrist or, uh, you know, there are different, you know, whole different kinds of, there are all different kinds of people that can provide. Yeah, I think, I think psychiatrist is for like just prescribing medicine and diagnosing an illness. Um, and I think psychologist um, is that the actual like therapist who's going to sit there and like talk to you and give you like real tangible advice? Well, I, you're um, close because what's the difference is, is the psychiatrist can. That's that person can write you a legal prescription, but they both provide therapy. The one, the thing that separates them is the psychiatrist can actually write you a prescription, but they both can provide therapy. Uh, so that's just the, the distinction is the ability and the of legality to write you a prescription. So the psychiatrist can write you a script. The psychologist can't write you a script. They, they cannot, but either of them can provide you know, very good professional therapy. So, but what I wanted to to bring out here is a lot of people aren't aware of is that those folks, those folks, Sean, let's say Dr. Stevens, right? Just for, I, I, just for a random name, Dr. Stevens is a psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever, either one sees maybe 50 patients a week. That Dr. Stevens will go see a Dr. Edwards once a month as a patient to go in and talk to him and to to get a lot of things off his chest and to process a lot of things. So even therapists, especially therapists, go for therapy. A lot of people weren't aren't aware of that. I think that's important to bring well, I out. Think, I think it's very important. Um, and I'm not surprised at that because they're professionals and they know the value that they bring to the table. Um, and they know they have blind spots and they can't be their own therapist. They need a third party and a a neutral person to, uh, to really evaluate them. Um, and they're practicing what they preach by going to therapy. I think. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I just think it's important that we, that we bring that out. And if, uh, anyone's listening, please, if it just, listen, if, if things are going right, you may want to think about, well, maybe I should, but if, if you're at all have any discomfort with anything, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate at all. Go out and talk to a professional and just get a little advice, get a little of this and a little of that without worrying about any stigma. Don't hesitate a bit. That's all I'm trying to bring out with that. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad you shared a little bit of insights and stories about your father. 
uh, because I just was reading the news and uh, there's a potential uh, new Alzheimer's drug. Uh, it's experimental. It's called Lecane Mab, L-E-C-A-N-E-M-A-B. It's a weird name, but all pharmaceutical drugs seem to be very strange names. Yeah. Um, it says they're in phase three. Phase two wasn't great, but phase three is showing promising results, uh, reducing cognitive and functional decline by 27%. Um, and it's, it's one of those things. Uh, it can help people live normal lives for longer and ha- be around their family and participate in daily life and live a little bit more independently before they completely like lose their mind. Um, so okay. I'm wondering, like, when you see drugs like this, are you kind of like, are you kind of happy? Because I know your, your dad passed from this horrible disease, but are you like, you know, does it hit home for you? Like, man, they're really working hard on this, like a new drugs to really cure this. Yeah. And from what I'm hearing, I, I caught a little bit on the news in passing. And from what I'm hearing from you is the words slow the decline. So it's not a, it's not a cure of any means. It's not a prevention, but what it is, is it's a remedy to slow down. It's like sliding down a sliding board. All right. You don't want to slide down too quickly. If you have this thing, you want to slide down. If it's your last slide down, you want to slide down slowly. So it slows the decline once you already have it. But anything is good. Yeah. Anything is good. Um, I, I'm encouraged by that. Um, fortunately for pop, by the time he got it, he was, you know, much older. He was, you know, he was, uh, you know, he, he was close to 80. Um, when it first, when it first got to him, some folks get it, Sean, this thing, I was, uh, I'll tell you a little story. I, I, I was at the facility where I, I had to put my father in a, a facility. Eventually I had him for four and a half years and it reached the point where I was just like carrying him from room to room physically. Cause it had just taken him it had taken his mind quite a, a couple of years back, but I was still able to manage, but it was just a point where it even started to get him physically and I was carrying him from room to room. So I put, I had to put him in a place. It was a good place. Um, but I was sitting there, um, speaking to a couple of the nurses, uh, that work there and, and, and run the place. And we are in a little conference room type thing. And these are for people. This facility where I took them was for people who only were suffering from dementia. Okay. So the whole building and these folks are, are humans, human beings. They have to be able to walk around if they could. You know, some of them come like Pop was in a wheelchair by then because, like I said, he lost his mobility by then. But a lot of them were still able to walk around and wander. And they do it right. They have locks on the doors and they have certain, but they let them walk around the facility at random, which is healthy for them. We don't want to, you know, tie them down or do anything like that. And I'm sitting there in a conference room with a couple of these nurses. And the one nurse says to me, Oh, Betty's out there. Do you mind if she walks through? I said, and she was one of the patients. It's a woman, maybe about 50 years old, maybe late forties. And, you know, she's, do you mind if she, you know, if she walks through here? So I said, no, of course not. You know, she can, she can come through. So she's walking through and she's standing in a corner and she's just got her hand on one of the plants. And it was a sad thing to see. But she whispers to me, the lady that worked there whispers to me, she says, you know, five years ago, she was an RN. She was a registered nurse. So, I mean, that quickly, and that this is someone that was young, right? So if she was in her late 40s, she was 43, 44 when this thing 
you know, uh, took hold. That's early. That's the, so whenever I think about this, of course, those memories with pop are really tough. Um, but we're blessed. I feel we're blessed that it didn't get him till he was a little older. I cannot imagine what people go through and families go through when it's someone that young. But if you were to, to, to see this person, this lady in the corner, just kind of touching the plants and looking away and looking here, looking there. And then for this woman to tell me five years ago, as recently as five years ago, she was a fun, full functioning RN. So uh, it is a terrible thing. And uh, anything they can do one day, they'll have a cure one day. Um, but until then, you have these little remedies or, or draw anything that can help. And if you can slow down the effects of it, whereas, you know, you can get 18 years of quality time as opposed to 10. Why not? Did you see uh, the movie, The Notebook, by any chance? The Notebook? Yes. I did. Um, okay, because that, that is a very good movie, but very I did because uh, what, what lured me into it was that, that I think McAdams is a, is a Rachel, gorgeous. Rachel McAdams. Did you, <laughs> yeah. probably, did you see her first in Wedding Crashers? I did not. This is the first time I saw her, and I just looked through these movies, and I went, "Oh Lord, look at!" And, and then, I, then yeah, this, yeah. then the movie unfolded. I'm like, "Wow, this is a it's it's a it's a dual ticket here." I, you know, Rachel McAdams is nice to look at, but then I start watching the movie, and I got lured into that too. And and yeah, that that was. Uh, I don't care who you are. Um, if that didn't get to you, um, I, I don't know, you know, yeah, I don't know. That, yeah. And then Ryan Gosling was in it. He's excellent. Um, I believe the older cup, the people who played them as adults. Well, old, James Gardner, believe, Rockford, Jim Rockford, James Garner, James Garner, James Garner yeah. Gina Rollins. Yeah. Um, but that movie was just frigging crazy and just so emotional and man, what a love story, but obviously it hits home cause it has like the, the dementia aspect and it's like, oh man, imagine like you love your life and it's like. Uh. Yeah, and people say, and I have. Yeah, sometimes you get that. Oh, that's a chick flick. Or now, wait a minute, man. It's it's it's. Well, you know, I'm not afraid to say. Yeah, I, I watched the Notebook, and yeah, it got me emotional. And um, it, that doesn't mean. What the hell? You know, you, you get some of this. You, you get some of this. You know, oh, that's a chick flick, and this. No, no, yo, yo, dude. If if you can't <laughs> dig this, if you can't watch this movie, uh, for, for its value and. Uh, and have a reaction to it. I, I don't know what to tell you know. I don't you know. It's I, I just uh, uh, I don't know. I just I just um, can't understand sometimes the way people think in a way. Uh, but yeah, that that was a great movie. Did you know that uh, Eminem, the rapper, um, had a song in 2002 off his album, The Eminem Show, called uh, "Sing for the Moment." It's like a tribute, kind of like he samples he samples uh, "Dream On" by Aerosmith. <laughs> Um, you have to, you have to listen to this song. Cause it's like a modern day, you know, it has the chorus of the same things from the Aerosmith song, but it's, it's Eminem rapping most of the song. Um, and it is very, just a, a great, cause you know, rappers do this all the time. They sample old songs and it doesn't always work out well. It gives you some nostalgia. You're like, Oh, I like that song. I recognize the beat. I recognize the chorus. I love, it doesn't always work out, but this one really worked. Yeah. I love when these new cats, right. When, when they pay homage to the old ones, and I didn't hear this one. I did. I haven't heard that, but I love when new, newer artists do that and they pay homage. Now, when talking about, um, in talking about the rap artists paying homage to older rock musicians, and ironically, it's, it's the same. It's, it's Aerosmith again. Um, Aerosmith had a song 
called Walk This Way. And Walk This Way yeah, was, it was, was dark. Yeah, Run DMC. And this was back way before. This was back in 87 or 88 when uh, I, I guess Walk This Way was part of an album, the 73, 74. But uh, Tyler said when he, you know, he said, looking back at it, he didn't know it at the time. But the song itself in 73, when they laid that thing down, it was already a rap song when you really think about it, because it was an upbeat. It was kind of, but it was a, it had the guitar lick in there too. But I, uh, yeah, so ironically, yes, I've, I've, I do like when, when uh, modern artists pay homage to the older ones. Uh, and it was just ironic that it was again Aerosmith that came to mind here. Um, but yeah, yeah that's I think yeah. I saw, um, I know I saw Aerosmith, but I think it was my 19th birthday. Uh, my family took took us to see Aerosmith, and I brought my best friend Matt. Uh, we saw it in Philadelphia, I believe it was the Wachovia Center at the time, now it's Wells Fargo Center. Um, but Aerosmith is very good live, and the Pretenders opened up for them. I think it was the Pretenders that night. I think because I I saw the Who at that venue too, and the Pretenders open up for somebody. I don't know. I think the Pretenders open up for them, but anyway, the Pretenders um, are also a hell of a band led by a female singer, and they have a great song, um, "Stand by You." Yeah, that song is so emotional. Yeah. Well, the Who. When did you? When was this? Because the Who, the Who. You know me. It's the Beatles, Stones, and Who are the are the big. The, yeah, so I've the, seen I've seen the Who. I've seen Aerosmith. Uh, Aerosmith. I know. What Aerosmith. year did you see the Who? What year? Oh, the Who, man. Around what year? Uh I feel like I saw the Who around the same time as Aerosmith, almost. So that was in the period of like two thousand. Oh, okay. Five to. Some, something around 2005 to 2007, right. I believe. If you could have seen The Who in like 1974, 75, 76, I mean, it's just unbelievable. That's to me, to me, the Stones are the Alpha and the Omega to, I mean, it's to, to rock and roll. And you asked me a couple of times, hey, they're still touring. Do you want my nephew asked me a couple of times, you know, hey, look, I want to see the Stones in their heyday. I love the Stones. I listen to music and they're the greatest rock and roll band that ever played. Like I said, they're the Alpha and the Omega, uh, the greatest front man ever in any rock uh, rock band. But do I want to see them like now? Nah, no, nah, I would have loved to have seen them. Unfortunately, I was about 10 years old when, you know, in 1974, when they were, you know, really kick ass. But um, uh, it's all it's all good stuff. It's all good. Yeah. As a matter of fact, go ahead. Oh, uh, no, but continue your thought. Matter of fact, I mean, The Who in 1977 or 78 or 79, I can't remember exactly when, but they had an incident in Cincinnati where the crowd was so riled up that a couple of people were, were stampeded uh, and they lost a couple of lives. I mean, The Who felt terrible about it. They didn't, you know, but it's just one of those things that uh, they were, you know, su- such high energy and such hype. Um, and you can look it up as you, I, I can't remember it was late seventies, but, uh, it was one of those things. And, and something like that just recently happened too at a concert. I think it was over in, I think it was over in, uh, Korea, but you know, sometimes concerts are great, but if they can get, if the crowds get out of hand and get too overhyped, you know, it's hard to imagine people getting stampeded to death yeah, that's, when it happens. Yeah, that's, that's very rare. Uh, yeah. That's one of the things we're talking about earlier, the worrying thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. the idea of worrying and not going to a social event or going out and having like a, a, a lifetime memory because you're worried about the worst case scenario of like being trampled. Like that's like extreme worry. You know what I mean? That, that is, that is, that is, that would be, yeah. Um, um, 
But uh, while we're on the, I guess we're on the, I brought him up before, but uh, we're talking about different things and, um, you know, our fathers and whatnot. Um, Howard Stern's dad passed away, uh, but he he told he told Howard when he was younger, he was like, I don't need a college education. All I need to do is read the New York Times front to back every morning, and that's my college education. And the farther I get from college, because I have a political science and philosophy degree from Villanova University, um, and the farther I get from college, I can't help but think, because I have also a subscription to the New York Times, that that is so accurate. Just being able to read an intelligent paper like the New York Times and understand right. the current stories, that's right. that's better education than what you're actually learning in school. I mean, I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts on that? Just reading like legit news sources and learning about the world and what's going on. Because I know you watch the news every night at like 11. Um that seems like I get more value out of the news stories I read, especially the New York times. than like the stuff I learned in college is, you know, a lot, a lot of it's forgotten. You know, a lot of it is forgotten. I think college is, is it's just one of the, it's, it, there has to be some kind of a weeding out process. It, it's sort of like social Darwinism on a smaller scale. You have to have a situation where, um, and I love everybody, but I mean, look, I'm not qualified to be a surgeon. You want me applying at the hospital for a surgeon job? No. You, well, did you meet the criteria? What is the criteria? You have to have, right. You will. And for, and for just for basic, you have, and, and but even that's also graduate, that, that's graduate school, like specific uh, tailored skill set. I'm talking about just like the, your every, the everyday me, overall intelligence. I know, I know, I know, but you have to have something. You have to have, you have to, people have to earn their way here and there. You have to have some kind of a process. So college, is good in that way, Sean, but I agree with you. Okay. Let me get to the to roundabout. I do agree with you that in the end, and I've said this a long time ago, that at the end of the day, we're all pretty much self-taught, right? It was going to, and you learn this in college as well, is that you come home, you take your notes in class, you crack open that book, and you read the chapter and you highlight it and then you make your own notes and you, you're self-taught. I mean, that, that you have to be able to. And I think that's all he was trying to say as well is that if he reads this paper and if he didn't understand something, he would go find out, you know. So but it's in that not knowing and going to find it out. That's called learning. Right. But I think we're all self-taught at the end of the day. And, yeah, a lot of the content. A lot of the content that we, that we have to study for, you know, in college and so forth, a lot of the content falls by the wayside, but it's the habits that you get into the reading, the writing, the comprehension, the what to do if you don't understand something, how to use your resources to, to learn about it. I think we're all self taught. And so I, I do agree with. The majority of, of what you said, yeah. yeah. Because it's one of those things where like if you're existing in the world and you're you're have intelligent friends and you're having good conversations, um, you're not gonna be talking about like stuff you learned in like classes in college, maybe sometimes, but you know, right. a lot of times it's like, what do you bring to the table? Did you read a lot, you know, did you read a lot of news articles that week? And like now you're talking about now you're educating your friends and then they're gonna take that what they learned from you and then talk to their friends and they might get interested in something that you said. It just sparks something when you start reading these like really uh news articles and these current events and um i don't know i just feel like that's that's really just a way to maintain your intelligence uh as you get older especially after college absolutely i agree with that i also agree with um there are a hell of a lot of people that are extremely extremely intelligent 
who just for whatever reason never had the opportunity, the means to go to college or whatever. So a lot of times, so you know, I think you have to be really short sighted, yeah, really myopic to think, well, he's not smart. He didn't go to college. That's yeah. pretty myopic. That's you know. the, the statement itself. The notion itself isn't real smart. I mean, to you have to understand. We all, and I'm sure you understand this too. There are a lot of people that just never had the opportunity for whatever reason to attend college, but their native intelligence is off the charts. A lot of yeah, people. It's, it's it's funny you say that because um, a lot of intelligent people um, and like creators of these big companies uh, like Zuckerberg and and, and uh, Bill Gates, uh, they're college dropouts and uh, they weren't, you know, I mean, they're, they're smart people, but then there's other like savants, um, you know, just to continue with the theme, I guess, because I've been listening to a lot of Howard Stern lately. Quentin Tarantino was on recently and Howard was asking him about like what kind of student he was. And he was like, oh, I was a horrible student. Uh, but he did talk about how he liked reading books and he was always interested in reading. Like he didn't want to, he didn't care what they were teaching in school, but he just liked reading his own books. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of intelligent people, uh, they might not excel in school and they might be bored by it. Do the whole structure of it and go in the class for an hour and then another class and another class and doing the homework, but it just give them a book, give them a paper and let them just, you know, expand their mind and see what flourishes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's no two ways about that. I know one thing I'm worried about, not to change gears, but I'm worried about, um, I'm worried about my Eagles. <laughs> I'm worried. You want, you want to talk some football? Okay. I just, yeah, just a little segue from the worrying and everything else just to lighten things up a little bit. I mean, uh, for Eagle fans out there, we're, we're getting back, uh, the big boy in the middle. We're getting him back, uh, not a moment too soon either, because this week we're going to be facing King Henry and we're going to be facing, a team that likes to smash mouth that ball. And this is such an important game. I cannot stress how important this game is because if you look at the Cowboys schedule from, from between now and the time we face off on Christmas Eve and you look at the Eagle schedule for the same time period, this game could be, we could look back on this game and say, there it was. Thank God we won it. Or, Oh my God, that's where we lost it. So I don't know. I'm just. Uh, yeah, I mean, you guys are. You're. It's. It's at home. You guys are favored by about five points. Uh, the Titans are no slouch, no pushover. They're seven and four. Ryan Tannehill's back after you know the, the Malik Willis experiment. I don't want to say it's an experiment because he's a rookie quarterback and he has time to grow. But his short time as a quarterback, and it's only it's, it's only year one. You got to remember, quarterbacks like Troy Aikman was awful. Even Justin Fields was awful, and he he had a rebound year this year. Peyton Manning, I think, threw eighteen yeah. interceptions his so, first you know, year. You know, but um, and Trevor Lawrence, he's having a great. Trevor Lawrence apparently is the highest rated, highest rated quarterback this season. I think. Ooh, did uh, you see that? We'll get into that. But did you see that comeback last week? And every throw down the stretch was perfect. Yeah, and it was pedigree. He played for Clemson. He's got ice water in the veins too. Yeah, yeah. He knows uh, he can play at the highest levels. But um, you know the Titans having Tannehill. He's a serviceable quarterback. He's, he's he proved them. He proved the doubters wrong. Who hated him in Miami because they wanted him gone. He was always injured. He never performed to what they thought he could perform at. Uh, he's kind of revived his career with the Titans. Uh, but obviously the Titans rely heavily on King Henry and the running attack. Um, you know, I think the Eagles is Jordan Davis. Is he, I know like he was, he's out, but is he coming back this week or when is he coming back? 
I don't think they've made a formal announcement, but what they said, well, well, you know, I think the last thing I heard was they think he can be, and they're, they're hoping that he can, and it looks like he can type thing. I would be shocked if, because they say he's practicing very, you know, full speed, he's practicing hard. And, um, I think it was one of those, uh, good news, bad news. The, the local reporter said the bad news was that, uh, that defensive back, he's going to be out with a lacerated kidney, the guy they lost last week in a Packer game. And I still don't know if they have Maddox back yet, or, and I still don't think they have, uh, Goddard back. But the good news was the big boy's going to be back. So I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Because one cool thing that happens during rehab, a guy is injured and he can't exercise that muscle. But what happens with, you know, a lot of players is they, they improve in other areas that they get, they hone in on certain areas where they weren't able to completely focus on before. So Jordan Davis apparently lost like 20 pounds and he's more nimble now and he's faster. Um, so man, he could be dangerous with extra speed and weight loss. Yeah, because he was primarily, I mean, he's just, look, he's the, he was the plug, the fire plug on the best defense, one, a legendary college defense, the championship, national championship defense, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs last year, right? And that defense was legendary, okay, uh, in a good way. <laughs> um, but the knock on him, if there was any knock, was that he was a little too, little too heavy, a little too slow. You trim a little bit of weight off that boy, man, you got a killer. So, Let's let's hope. Let's just hope. Yeah, How you, you feeling? You guys have the early game on Sunday. Got the one o'clock game, so uh, uh, I'm sure we're going to be tuned in for that, man. Oh, this this like I said to you that you know Thanksgiving is right around when when football starts. I mean, this is this is this is coming down to it now, and it's going to be your boys, and it's going to be my birds, and coming down the stretch here. And these games are critical. And I mean, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, look at your schedule. I don't know how you we lose a game other easy, than we, us. Yeah, we both have easy schedules. I mean, except we're, well, we play each other. You know what I mean? Like, well, we got yeah. Tennessee. We, we got, that's why I say the Tennessee is no slouch. So we got yeah. Tennessee, but other than that, yeah, it's pretty easy. That's why I'm saying it's a variable in there that you guys do not have a tough game until us. Once we get past Tennessee, we won't have a tough game until you, but this, this, this these guys they're always ready for a street fight that team you know it and defense has been slouching lately it's been soft lately in spots yeah so um the cowboys are playing the the sunday night game i'm pretty pumped for that the sunday night game is always fun uh now we got collinsworth and tarico because al michaels is now on thursday night football for amazon prime um but the colts is not going to be an easy game i mean and the cowboys Literally, they could play anybody. I could see anybody on their schedule. And I, 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 as a Cowboys fan, I'm just like totally not confident. I'm like, you know, I really, it's a, it's a 50 50. Like, will they show up? Will they not? And I was talking to an Eagles fan at work. He's a hardcore Eagles fan. Um, and he was saying, uh, you know, because I, I told him my perspective on the Cowboys. I'm like, yeah, we haven't won since 95. We were spoiled, but now we're humbled. Uh, we're just happy to like, you know, be in the race. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to win another Super Bowl as long as Jerry Jones is the owner, that type of thing. And he's like, man, you you sound a lot different than all the Cowboys fans I know. He's like, all them they all them are living off their Super Bowl, and they think even though they're in second place, they're the best team in the league, and they're so cocky. And it's kind of embarrassing for me as a Cowboys fan. I'm like, are we really that arrogant? I mean, how do you, as an Eagles fan, 
because uh, you well, know that, me, I'm a Cowboys fan, but I don't know if you interact with other Cowboys fans. Well, are we still an arrogant like fan base who think we're like so better than everyone else? What we, what you and I have proven to each other is the stereotypes are horseshit, right? So the stereotypes about an Eagles fans being you know with their knuckles dragging on the ground and Neanderthals and just total, you you know that's not you know you know that's not true through dialogue with me and from other Eagles fans, right? And what I also found out is that in dealing with you that cowboys some cowboys fans have their feet on the ground and they have they're not as ridiculous ridiculous as you know as uh a lot of them are made out to be but there there is a big faction of dallas cowboy fans sean who and some of them don't even know what the hell a football is even shaped like. They're like, oh, yeah, cowboy, cowboy, because they see it on the TV. They see a pretty helmet and they see this or whatever the hell it is. Or Didn't when they were. You almost got seduced by the Cowboys back in the day. Like you were almost a Cowboys fan. Well, it, it, it's, it's a funny thing. And, 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 and I don't like to admit this, but when I was a kid, the Eagles were absolutely positively lousy i mean lousy and i when you're a kid is when you form these things right so i'm coming up in in the in the early to mid 70s as a kid and everyone in our neighborhood did the same thing we didn't we couldn't really root for as kids as kids you don't root for your home team unless they're doing well if they're every year of your life they suck what you do is you you adopt quote unquote a, a, a different team a team that's doing you know better and for a long time uh, Johnny next door was the Colts. His brother, Mike, was the Raiders. Stevie across the street had the Rams. I had the Minnesota Vikings. But there was a, a very short period in there where I was influenced. I can't remember who it was. It was it was either a kid at school or a kid that I can't remember exactly who it was. But somehow I got a little bit enticed to like root for Dallas a little bit. And again, when you're a young kid, you don't know about, you know, um, being being true to your your area as much as when you start to get older like you know you just don't you don't get it so there's a there was a point where i was starting to maybe thought you know what the hell i see them on tv every every week the uniforms are pretty cool christ excuse me jesus for taking your name in vain uh but hell they win all the time it looks like it could be fun um and I started to maybe, and my brother pulled me aside, knowing better. He was five years older than I, which makes him about maybe 15 at the time, 16, and said, hey, listen, uh-uh. Would, you know, A, B, C, and D, and our family's from Philadelphia. Your great-grandparents came over here. We lived here. Our dad still works in Philadelphia. We lived in Philadelphia before we moved to New Jersey. Uh, all these kind of things. And this is where it is. And you don't do this. You don't do that. And he wasn't playing. He was serious. And I just, okay. All right, bud. All right. I got you. I got you. Cause he's saying, Joe, you know what? You're going to be blah, blah, blah. And he, dude, you got to have some allegiance to where you live. And this is where, he, and I thank God he did. Um, uh, but there was, a, and then why I mention that to you sometimes is I can see, cause I said to you one day, Shawnee, you grew up in North Jersey, brah, you know, how in the name of God did you, you know, you're should be either a Giants or a Jets fan. You grew up in North Jersey. Yeah. I said, how in the hell did that happen? And you said, my dad, my yeah, dad's it's, influence. It's simple answer to everyone is my dad. Cause I always get the look. It's like the look it's like, Oh, what? And then, then the comments after is like, why are you a Cowboys fan? And it's like, 
I had to explain my dad was. I grew up on it. I was dressed in their jerseys. And it's like your a dad. Very mon- you know, yeah, I'm just going through the motions of telling the story. It's like, yeah, my dad was a fan. But, you know, luckily I was able to go to some Cowboys games as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if I could choose my team as a kid, I'd probably You'd be a Giants chosen, fan. You'd probably, be a Giants fan. You know, I don't know if the Giants or the Jets. and Okay, I mean, possibly, either one. Possibly even the Eagles. I mean – there were some Eagles fans in my area too. I was, you know, I was central Jersey, Jersey shore. Um, but then oh, you know, okay. there's, I thought there's, you there's were also, up. there's also like growing up cause there's so many Cowboys fans across the country in the world. I always did find occasionally uh, Cowboys fans to bond with. Um, but now as an adult, you know, it's just, I'm a Cowboys fan. That's my team. Um, but unless I get into like sports broadcasting and I really can't really have a team cause I have to stay neutral. You know, it's not necessarily a rule, but Dan Patrick, one of my other heroes in, in media, um, he's from you know Ohio, and everyone expects him to be a Bengals fan. And last year when they made the Super Bowl, everyone's like, "Dan, are you going to root for the Bengals? What do you think?" And the callers are calling and asking him. And I don't know if he was lying. I don't think he was. He's a very honest guy. But Dan was like, "No, I mean, you know, at this point, you know, I'm not. I don't have a team. I'm just neutral. It's my job as a, a sports personality and a broadcaster not to have a team and not to have skin in the game. And, you know, you know, the Bengals, I, I might for a second get caught up in the moment, but you know, then I'm back to my sports broadcaster self. And um, so he really doesn't have any like teams that he like admits the rooting for. No, that he admits um, to, I mean, he's a sports so, fan, so, you know, he's got something. But I don't know, you know, it's one of those things where I'm going to be a Cowboys fan for life unless, you know, I get into sports broadcasting or something. And like they, it's one of those things where it's just wise, just, you know, if you want to be neutral and you want to be fair when you're talking in your analysis um, to distance yourself from your team. But yeah, I'm a Cowboys fan and, um, you know, we haven't won in a while. And, you know, everyone, the thing when I was younger, it's like, oh, you're a front runner. You only like them because they're winning. And now it's like, you know, I'm not a front runner. We haven't run once since 95. We barely, you know, events past the first round of the, pl- the wild card in the playoffs. Uh, we're a struggling franchise and pretty embarrassing in a lot of ways. Um, but obviously, it's still cool to have that star. I've been to the new stadium. We actually beat your Eagles at a game I was at in 2010, wild card game. Vic was the quarterback <laughs> that game. So I saw the Cowboys win a playoff game. Um, so, you know, it's just one of those things. But, well, and, you know, know- I could think it was during your four minute, not to cut you off, but it was during your four. And again, there's a critical period, the critical period for a lot of uh, when you, this football thing for guys, for us to, to attach is, uh, you know, is during, you know, from the time you're seven, eight years old, nine years old, from the time you're about 15, it, it usually happens in there and it's locked in. Um, but, and, and I respect the fact that it's your pop, right? It's your pop. And I, I what I, and the reason I bring up my side of it is, I almost got lured in my damn self, but thank God I didn't. I probably would have, I probably would, the light would have come on eventually anyway, and it would have, you know, just, you know, slid over back into, into place. But I, and I must say this too, and, um, it, it's nice. It's refreshing when you and I could talk and like, you know, we're, we're opposing, you know, but we could talk and respect one another and compliment each other. And because I want to tell you this, um, I'm a diehard Eagle. Yeah, you know, I, I have a tattoo of an Eagle's helmet on my on my left arm. You know that. I mean, I, I bleed green, right? But I love football. I love football history. I especially love, of course, the history uh, from the nineteen you know sixties on. Uh, 
you know, the, the Green Bay Packers. It started with Lombardi and this and that. And the man with the hat, Tom Landry, uh, that man there always had with that, 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 that iron jaw and that hat and always come out looking clean and his top coat and his tie. He was always class. He was always all business. He always had winning teams. I don't know if he ever had a losing season. What I'm saying is there was a lot of respect there. There's a, I, I love watching the old NFL films and watching him. There's yeah. respect there. There's respect for Stallback and everything and yeah. all, all those. There's a man called John Facenda, and I hear you do a pretty good impression. Can you just do quickly do just a, a short John Facenda? He was the voice of NFL films, if our audience doesn't know. Um, and like, uh, you know, can you just do like a, a, a mini, like, couple sentences in the facenda voice um how about let's say the ice bowl was not just a football game but a brutal test of manhood that would determine the championship of the national football league how's that that's just for today it's good man that's enough for today i'll get into it some other time i'll do the raiders for you i'll do all kinds of stuff yeah, but that, that's all wind, i have the autumn winds one is classic. the autumn wind yep yep but we'll get in i don't want to give it too much at one time i'll even give you some too tall jones but um <laughs> a little bit at a time but um so you're, so, you're fascinated with landry and the hat and the history and the La- and landry as a coach and then you turn around and roger Stallback. You could be, they could be down 14 points with like a minute and five seconds left. And that son of a gun would find a way him and Pearson, which is he and Pearson would find a way somehow. It was just unbelievable. Um, you know, and as a Vikings fan, I will never forget that Hail Mary, the pass that the very pass, the play that spawned the term Hail Mary came on a play. Uh, where Stallback had like four seconds or something left in the game and like midfield, he drops back and he says he just threw the ball up there, like to say a prayer, like a Hail Mary. Drew Pearson clearly pushes off the, the Vikings defender. It wasn't called. He catches the ball at the three yard line, backs into the end zone and the Cowboys win the game. Um, Fran Targenton's father was in the crowd that day and suffered a fatal heart attack because of that game. This is, you can look it up. Um, the, the, the push off was never called. It wasn't totally, absolutely, uh, clear, but it sure as hell looked like he did. He pushed off. And today it looks like if that were today, that would have been called. He pushed off anyway. What can I say? It was just one of those things. But my point is, um, Nine times out of ten, uh, Stallback, if you give him more than a minute, he was like Brady in a sense that you can, you know what's coming. And they were just, look, I hated them, but they were doggone good. They were really, really good. So you have, to me, you have, you have some, some football teams in, in the history of my life. You had the Packers. I, I caught kind of the tail end of that. And the only, the only team to beat the Packers for a championship in the playoffs, right? Um, was the Philadelphia Eagles. In 1960, they beat Vince Lombardi's Packers uh, to win the Super Bowl. Well, they didn't call it the Super Bowl then. It was called the NFL Championship. I mean, the Eagles won one, two, three. They won three world championships, but it was before they called it the Super Bowl. So uh, and what are you going to do? Uh, terminology. But um, you had the Packers, and then you had the Cowboys, and then you had the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
And then you had the 49ers. So, I mean, it's those, it's those teams that in my lifetime, I look back and say, yeah, they're, they're the kind of organization that, that we aim to be that we're. Um, so speaking of organizations where people aim to be, uh, the Cleveland Browns, they, they, they signed Deshaun Watson when everyone wouldn't even want to touch him. He's returning this week versus former team in Texas versus the Texans. Um, do you think Deshaun Watson has suffered enough and paid, paid his dues? 12 game or 11 game suspension, all those fines, the reputation damage. I think he's ready to go. I think you're on mute, Joe. Uh, I don't know if we lost Joe there. Um, he might be on mute. So this is live radio, basically. You with me? Yeah, I couldn't hear you, man. I think you pressed mute. You know what it is? On my headset, I have a little button on, on, the, on, the, on the wire here, and I accidentally pushed it. Okay, so just... Now, have I been on mute long? I hope not. Yeah, for like... Well, you didn't say anything about Watson. I asked about Watson. I didn't hear you. Okay. I, I was just into my third word when you said, okay. So with, with regard to Watson... Um, I don't know what happened in those rooms. I mean, I heard some of the testimony and heard some of this and some of that. I don't know what actually happened. Uh, so it's hard for me to tell you, um, you know, I, I, when you ask me, is he ready? Do I think he's, do I think he's ready football wise? I would probably say no. Like, I, I, I don't think he's played any live games in like two years or whatever it is. So I'd probably not. Um, as far as should he be there? I don't know because I don't know what happened in those rooms. And yeah, some of think, those. Uh, like, he obviously paid a ton of money in settlements to the woman. Um I guess no one will ever know the real truth because obviously there's a lot of incentive for women these days to see a rich guy and, you know, jump in on the lawsuit and get the money. But there seems to be a lot of cases and a lot of consistent stories where it leads to that. Watson was probably guilty of these uh, accusations, but um, it's just one of those things. It's like, you know, he didn't like rape a woman, but he certainly manipulated them and took advantage of them in circumstances when he was getting massages and, Obviously, he's deemed as a creep, um, but do you think his, his psyche and his mental makeup is enough for him to continue his career, to continue to flourish and possibly lead the Browns? The Browns are four and seven, so not the playoffs this year, but um, can he can he salvage his career? And because he was on he was on the upper uh, mobility or whatever you know trajectory to become a top five elite quarterback, can he can he salvage his career? I think so. I think so. He's Listen. got enough ability. Uh, he's another Clemson quarterback. We're talking about Trevor Lawrence. These Clemson quarterbacks are really, um, you know, a couple good ones there. But yeah, I mean, well, it just sounds like it sounds like you know you have uh, you think he can. Um, and as as judging him as a person, every time you watch him, you know, if he's playing your team, right, and you get angry, um, and you get angry at Watson for throwing that touchdown pass to beat your team. <laughs> Are you going to be like, damn, this fucking creep? Why is he, you know, are you going to, are you going to take it out of him? Take it out of him and get angry? 
you know, in anger, I'm liable to say anything if they're, if, you know, I'm, you know, I, that's why another reason I don't watch football and, and, and like, I got to watch where I'm watching, you know, I have to pay attention to where I'm watching the games or whatever. I can snap and say things that I don't mean in anger if my team's losing. And yeah, could that be something that where I could utter something to that effect? Yeah, I could. They listen. He's not the first guy. I mean, Roethlisberger was, was involved in some ugly stuff, right? I mean, the Michael Vick, what Michael Vick did to me is what to me, what Michael Vick did to those animals is more abhorrent than anything I've heard from anything because you're talking about dogs. And I don't want to tell you, get into how I feel about dogs, but if I accidentally step on a dog's paw and it yelps, it, yeah, it almost breaks worst. my that's heart. That's the worst feeling in the world. I've had dogs my whole life. And like, right. when that happens, it breaks your heart. Yeah, right. And just doing something like that accidentally, how in the name of God, and I don't even want to get into it. It's, it really is unconscionable. So even when he was here, it was like, you know, I, I, I listen, I still, I, I, I'm not cool with it ever. I'm just not cool with it. I'm just, just not. So could this guy and whatever this guy did with those women, I think at some point he stepped over the line. He used his celebrity to manipulate, um, and I, I think he was wrong. In some instances, it wasn't until after everything was done that 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 I, I, I you know what, I, 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 this is a really touchy subject. I'm saying the guy's wrong. I don't know the the extent to you know how how wrong he was in certain situations, uh, but he did some really unscrupulous things, and um, I don't think it's going to bother him though. He just seems like the kind of cat that it's not going to bother. And like and I said, it, other guys have done stuff. So before this happened, um, I had respect for Watson as a player and a quarterback, but also I learned about him as a person. Uh, there was a woman working for the Texans organization. Um, and he like gave part of his salary to her to help her out. So, you know, he's not all bad. Obviously he's no. got that creepy tendency and hopefully he learned from his mistakes and can become a better man and better person for it. Um, but he's got the, uh, he doesn't seem like a total, you know, bad person, right? He's just creepy and he did some weird things and made women uncomfortable and yeah. it was consensual. It's just, you know, the idea of a quarterback making millions of dollars, even needing to do that is just. Well, like, and, 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 and he used his celebrity to sort of, he said to the one, he said to the one girl, he insinuated to her that, you know, um, you know, he said to her in so many words, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, I have a great deal of my name. And everything. And if I post that you were really a good masseuse, that could really help your career. He says, on the other hand, if I post that you were this or you were that or you weren't good, that could really hurt your career. So if you don't really kind of uh, acquiesce to whatever I'm asking you to do here today, that could hurt your career, honey. So stuff like that. And then he, yes. you know, I, I, and when those young ladies were so upset that they had, they had um, involuntary bodily functions happen that they were so, so emotionally upset that read the reports that they, they couldn't control their, their bladder or this kind of thing. And they, they did all, I mean, when you, someone's that upset, something went, I saw, I, you know, but there again, at some point, maybe if you're really scared, you run out of the room, you know, I, I don't, you know, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know what happened in those I, rooms. I mean, you never know because they they're looking at dollar signs when they're when they're involved in a lawsuit. So they could have embellished, and you know, you don't like to think they wouldn't lie under oath. 
and this is not me giving Deshaun Watson the benefit of the doubt. I'm simply trying to view it from an objective point of view and think about the motivation of so many women accusing him. And, um, you know, we all don't know the facts, but, you know, let's, let's put that uh, Watson thing to bed for now. Um, I do want to talk about my most recent uh, bad gambling beat. Um, so I bet on the world cup uh, yesterday I had a free $50 bet. They gave me a free, they, 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 these companies give you free bets because they know, you know, it's going to draw you in. You're going to want to bet more. You know, it's the name of the game to get more money, to get more of your money. Pretty much. Um, you're the, you're the betting companies like targets pretty much. That's how they, that's how they make their bones. Right. But um, I did a fun parlay. I did Costa Rica um, and Japan. So Japan um, to beat Spain and Costa Rica to beat Germany. Um, and it was a $50 bet, free bet. And I would have won (laughs) $10,000 and I'm thinking it's just a long shot. It's for fun. I'm working that day. I'll get the updates on the game. It could be amazing. It could be like winning the lottery in a weird way to like win crazy bet like that. A long shot. The odds were like plus 11,000 or the odds are crazy. Right. But, um, the first like 15 minutes of the game, both teams were losing one, nothing. And I'm like, Oh my God, the the bet's pretty much done. But then like in the 60th minute, I'm getting texts from like my aunt who's like, who likes to gamble. Um, and you know, I'm getting texts from friends and they're like, give me updates in the game and I'm getting updates on my watch. And it says like Costa Rica is like, they're winning. And then Japan was winning. And I'm like, Oh my God, I might win $10,000. Um, but then, you know, Japan ended up, ended up winning, but then Costa Rica ended up losing, uh, by like two goals, but for like five or 10 minutes, I thought I won $10,000 and that's just gambling, you know, the highs and lows, you know, yeah, when you win, it's yeah. amazing. That would have been a phenomenal. That would have been my best gambling whenever. And I did it as a long shot, but I really should have done the, the day before I had a weird feeling late at night about, about Australia. I'm like, you know what? They could, they're an underdog, but they could win. Um, so I, I should have bet on, I should have used that free $50 bet to bet on Australia. Um, they played Denmark and Tunisia played France. I should have done Australia and Tunisia because that probably would, would have netted the same uh, winnings. But, you know, that's the bad gambling uh, beat of the week. Um, as far as Villanova basketball goes, I'm just disgusted with Villanova basketball right now. That's, you know, basically my sports religion is Villanova basketball. I went there as a student. My the basketball team is my obsession. My number one sports. Not uh, having a good year, are they? You 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 kind of got a you kind of got you know a little bit mean today. You said they sucked this year. They lost their last five. But you have to realize, Joe, uh, we're missing a potential top five NBA lottery pick next year. His name is Cam Whitmore. He's a freshman, but he like broke his thumb or something. Oh, okay. Um, so he's been out. So if we had him for any of these games. A lot of these games were, were pretty close. They weren't all like blowouts or anything. Right. I wasn't trying to be and mean. Reverse, either. Like just, yeah. teams, except, you know, we played Portland, the Portland Pilots, and I'm not saying they're bad. They have a lot of international foreign players, but it's a team we should beat. Um, it was also in Portland. It was, you know, we played a tournament in Portland. Um, but, you know, if we had Cam Whitmore and we had Justin Moore, one of our best players is supposed to be an All-American is Justin Moore. Um, he's like a senior this year. But last year versus Houston at the end of the Houston game in the Elite Eight, uh, he ruptured his Achilles right before the final four. So that was a devastating injury. So a lot of people don't really follow basketball that closely in college basketball. will think, Oh, Villanova's off this year. Jarrett retired. They have a new coach Neptune. He sucks so far. The team's awful. Not the case. Okay. We're just young. We're growing. Um, a lot of guys aren't ready for the spotlight. They're like number two and three options. If that, and if Cam Whitmore and Justin Moore are there, they'd be the number one and two options interchangeably. And we'd be a lot better ball club, but 
Uh, good deal. I want to ask you a question. That's good. And I'm with you for Villanova. I got you. You'll go all night if I let you with Villanova. But I just want to, and it's cool. I want to ask you about the soccer game tomorrow. Okay. USA Netherlands, 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. Be up for that. Who who wins this game? Uh, My heart's going with the U.S. And Kristen Pulisic, their best player, the goal scorer, you know, when they advanced last game, when they played Iran. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's playing tomorrow. I'm feeling good. I think I don't think Netherlands is that great. Um, they don't have a lot of recognizable names to me. I know they have a lot of great international players, but their best forward is this guy like Gakpo or something like that. And like I really don't know a ton about him, but he's been scoring some goals. I think I think the USA advances tomorrow. I think they win. Um, I think uh, I don't know. We we dominated England. That's the thing. Like, everyone thought England was going to trounce us. But we dominated England. From what I what I watched, the eye test was like, man, we look way better than England. They might have the better players. They have all these Premier League players, including Harry Kane. Um, but we really dominated them. Just seeing that really woke, woke me up. And also gave me hope seeing that the starting 11 for the U.S., because 11 people start in soccer, including the goalie, uh, none of them are MLS players. And if we don't have any MLS players, and they're all international. They have the pedigree, and they're all getting experience playing at the highest level across the world, especially Pulisic playing for Chelsea. Right. Um, there's no reason why we can't carry momentum and beat the Netherlands tomorrow. So I'm confident. All right. I'm gonna up, I hope you're going to be up man. bright and early for that game. I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to watch part of it at the gym. I'll probably watch part of it on the elliptical or the Stairmaster or the bike or, you know, um, cause that's also a fun thing to do. Anybody who's listening and who likes to work out and says they get bored in the treadmill and stuff, throw on sports or throw on a movie. Um, but even when you're watching like sports, I would say maybe not baseball because baseball is really slow. But if you're watching football and you see a guy like running back run for like a 70 yard touchdown, you see a, a basketball player slam dunk, you see a soccer player score an amazing goal. It gives you such natural adrenaline and really ups your workout. Um, so anybody looking for some workout tips that helps, but yeah, Joe, to answer your question, I'll, I'm, I'm going to be watching. And I think they're going to be, I think they're going to win. So are you confident? I know you're not a soccer guy, but are you, your heart's going to say yes, but what's your gut feeling? Do you think the U S wins? I'm going to be honest with you. I would love to see them win. When you say Netherlands to me, I mean, you're just talking about, um, I, I, it sounds like a tough bunch. Uh, the Germans, the, 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 uh, the, you know, the Netherlands in that region, you're just talking about, um, talk about kids that are, that, I mean, that's all they do. That's their sport, man. You know what I mean? That's, football, that's pretty much it. It's all, it, it's the one thing, you know what I mean? It's, and it's, they, they from the time they're two years old, they're kicking, kicking a grapefruit around. I mean, it's, um, but maybe I'm overthinking it. Um, I, I'm, I want to tell you what. I'm going to go because uh, I don't watch enough pro. So I played when I was younger. I love the game, but I don't watch enough of it. That's why I ask you because I know you follow more closely. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say. I'm going to say we win the thing. Two to okay, one. Cool. Okay, cool. Two to one. Um, and we're going to wrap up the show here pretty soon. But can you quickly summarize any uh, meal that you ate this week? Because the, the audience loves when you describe your food. Is there any like anything unique or anything different that you you deviated with your meals this week? Nah, I'm gonna I'm too I'm I'm light on that subject. It's been a boring week, and maybe I'll have something for you. I'll have something for you next time. But that's been a boring okay. week. And I, was, hey, so I'm, I'm glad little, that everybody let you cliffhanger yeah. for the audience. Yeah. We'll hear more about your meal uh, yeah, Monday yeah. night. Yeah, I think everybody will survive until <laughs> yeah. then. Uh, but. Uh, um, so do you have anything else to share or anything to say before we wrap this up? Um, all I could say is it's December. 
We're going to revisit some holiday thoughts and concepts and emotions and things like that as we go. Um, and um, everybody, um, peace be with you. Cool. Um, so I'm happy everyone's listening. Happy we have continued, uh, you know, consistent audience. Cause I, you know, I get feedback from friends and family and it's just really heartwarming to hear. Cause you know, we're, we're enjoying doing this. We love doing this. It's a new passion yes. project. It's, it's a hobby, but you know, I think, I think me and you are doing a good job. It's I know fun. people are like, don't, don't say you think we're doing a good job. It sounds amateur and like, don't say this. And, but you know, we're just open and honest with you guys. You know, we're just two normal guys, uh, who met and decided to uh, start a podcast and, you know, we're trying, we're trying our best at it. We're trying to produce a great product and quality product. So, um, you know, if you, if you can uh, rate our show five stars on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen, uh, add it to your library. So all the, you get all the updates from the new shows as soon as it's released, um, you know, and I want to say Spotify, Apple and tune in radio. And I'm glad everyone's listening. And what do you I want to say to anybody listening, thank you. We, we, we're glad you're listening to us. We value you and we thank you. <laughs> Sounds a little bit robotic, but I know exactly what you're saying. And I know exactly how you feel. Um, we are, we're, we're doing our best and hopefully every show is better than the last. We and the thank stay you fresh. for listening. Is that robotic <laughs> enough? Come on now. <laughs> Get um, out of here. Yeah. So anyway, everyone have a great, have a great night, great day, great weekend. And uh, we'll see you next week. Peace Take out. Care.